It's good to be in church this morning and to celebrate our risen Savior. Amen? Amen. And this morning, we're just going to take some time to just get into the Word a little bit. And, uh, you know, we've been in this series called, Who Is This Man? And it's based out of that, that statement that the disciples made whenever they were in that great storm and they thought they were going to lose their life. And Jesus hushed the storm. And, and their response to that in Luke 8, 25 is, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? How many of you know Jesus was no ordinary man? He was extraordinary. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your anointing, your power, your presence. God, I pray that you would anoint every heart, anoint every Lord ear that is hearing your word today. Lord, I pray that you would just touch your word and cause it, Lord, to just explode in revelation in each of our hearts. God, help me to teach and preach your word. Lord, may your anointing be upon me to deliver your word in a way that will bring glory and honor to you. We pray in the mighty and strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, we've been in this series, we've been talking about, about who Jesus is, his life and his times. And, and so we've been in the series for a few weeks now. And, and last week we talked about Jesus and his passion. And we talked about the fact that before we could celebrate a resurrection, we had to, there had to be a crucifixion. Jesus had to die. And the passion of Jesus was that he was willing to do whatever it took so that he could accomplish the work that the Father gave him to do. Amen? And so the cross, you know, some people, like me, whenever I was growing up, I thought if I just carried a cross in my pocket, that I would have the blessing of God on my life. Well, how many of you know the cross is more than a, a good luck charm? It's, it's more than a rabbit's foot. It's more than a symbol that we idolize, but it's a message that we need to embrace. Are y'all with me out there? And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Come on, how many of you know there's power that comes through the cross of Christ? And so the bottom line is this. Jesus endured the cross so we might experience the power of the Father's love. And whenever you think about the resurrection, it's more than an empty tomb. It's more than this historical event. There's a message in the resurrection. And just like the cross, if you don't understand the cross, you'll never enjoy the benefit of the cross. And the resurrection has a, a powerful message. And if you don't fully understand the message of the resurrection, then you won't enjoy the benefits of the resurrection. You know, the, it's the resurrection that validates our faith. You say, why? why do so many people serve God, live for God, give all for God? Well, it's part of it is the resurrection. The resurrection validates our faith. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15 and 12 says this. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. But if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And so Paul is saying basically, listen, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you're serving a powerless Christ. You're, you're, you have a powerless faith, amen? But on the contrary, if you believe that there's a resurrection, come on, then you believe that we serve a powerful Christ and our faith is powerful, amen? Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Help me preach.
dance a little bit this morning. How many of you glad he came out of the grave? See, it's the resurrection that secures the promises of Jesus. The Bible says in Mark 16, in verse 1, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and, and Solomon and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now Jesus promised he would be raised from the grave. And you know what? He fulfilled that promise. The Bible says in Matthew, in, in chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus gathered his disciples together. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and he told them what was going to happen. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be, be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. You know, the disciples must have thought, man, what is going on with Jesus? What is he talking about? He's going to die and he's going to be raised from the dead. They probably thought he lost his mind, but at the same time they thought, man, this Jesus we're serving, he's somebody special. Amen? Now listen, if Jesus promised that he would, he would be raised from the dead and he fulfilled that promise, then what can Jesus not fulfill that he's promised? Amen? And so listen, the truth is, it's the resurrection that validates the promises of Jesus. How can we believe what Jesus said? Well, he said he would come out of the grave, and he did that. Well, why wouldn't we believe everything he said? Come on, are y'all with me out there? We should believe everything he said. You know, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the synagogue. And the Bible tells us the story that he went into the synagogue, he, he grabbed the book of Isaiah, and he read, he just picked a place in Isaiah, and he read a portion of Scripture. And this is what he read in Isaiah 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, we've been trying to ask, answer the question, who is this man? Well, Jesus tells us who he is right here. And Luke 4 tells us that Jesus was anointed. He was empowered by the Father to do a number of things. In fact, he lists five promises here. So five promises that Jesus secured at the resurrection. And I want to look at those this morning. And I have a little bit of visual. They say that, you know, we tend to we tend to retain more if we use more of our senses. So if we hear something, we can retain some. But if we hear it and see it, we actually retain more. So I want to unpack those for you this morning. 
The first promise that Jesus secured at the resurrection is the promise of hope. Now I want you to just see and look at this word hope. How many of you know that the God that you and I serve is a God of hope? Y'all believe that this morning? Hey, are y'all alive? Are y'all resurrected this morning? Is he a God of hope or what? He's a God of hope. And listen, you need to know that. Somebody in here needs to know that. That he's a God of hope. And he wants to bring hope to your life. In Luke 4 and 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So the first promise Jesus made was that he was going to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what does that mean? What, did, what difference does that make in your life and in my life? Well, you have to understand what he was referring to. Now, the Bible tells us that the gospel means good news. How many of you know the Bible is full of good news? Amen. Jesus came to bring us good news. So we need to know that. Now, the poor is not just those that didn't have any finances. The poor represents all those who are struggling and having very pressing needs in their life. And that's who the poor represents. So my translation of this verse says this. Jesus came to bring hope to all who are struggling in life. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're dealing with today. But I want you to have hope this morning. The resurrection means that you have hope this morning. Amen? What is hope? It's confident expectation of good to come in your life. And you know, and here's, here's the promise to every struggling person in this room. It doesn't matter what, what anybody told you, what your circumstances have told you. I want you to know, if you feel hopeless and helpless here, I want you to know this morning that the empty grave means that you have hope, my friend. You have hope in your life this morning. Amen? Well, listen to what this verse says, Isaiah 40 and 30. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hey, listen, I'm trying to encourage you to be hopeful this morning and don't allow yourself to be hopeless. And as you be, as you become hopeful in Jesus Christ, not in yourself, not in your circumstances, listen, not in the world, in Jesus, as you become hopeful, there'll be strength that comes into your life. Amen? So the good news of the gospel is this. There is hope. Life can get better through God's grace, with God's grace. Y'all believe that this morning? Amen. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now the second promise Jesus secured at the resurrection is this, the promise of healing. Jesus is the healer. How many of you know that? Yeah. Maybe you didn't know that, but Jesus is the healer. Now when you think of the healer, you know, immediately I always think physical healing. And, and he is the physical healer. But you know, that's not exactly what this passage of scripture is talking about. The Bible says in Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Now, I don't know if you have a broken heart this morning, but I would think everybody in this room has experienced a broken heart at some time or other. And so listen, if you had a broken heart, you need to know that Jesus can heal your broken heart. If you've had a broken heart, you know that no pill can heal a broken heart. No drink can heal a broken heart. And you know, the best of intentions of any of your friends, 
They'll try to encourage you, but nobody can heal a broken heart. And you know what else I know about a broken heart? There's no greater pain than a broken heart. There's nothing that hurts more than a broken heart. And you know, broken hearts are often caused by various things in life, but one of them is caused by the death of a loved one. I mean, we know that you, most of you in here has lost a loved one. And when you lose a loved one, that'll break your heart. And you know what? There are children in this room that have lost their parents, like Kelly. And it breaks your heart. There are parents who have lost children. And it breaks your heart. There are wives who have lost husbands and husbands who have lost wives. And it breaks your heart. You suffer with a broken heart. But you know, it's not just grief. But you know what else? Trauma, broken and failed relationships will break your heart. And the scripture talks about, you know, the Lord not, not wanting anybody to divorce. Why? Because people's hearts get broken through divorce. And whenever we experience betrayal and rejection, it breaks your heart. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, I know when somebody's heart has been broken. You know, sometimes we have shattered dreams and hopes. We lose a job. We have a failed career. We have miscarriages. We have years of, of desiring to be married and still single. All these things are the realities of life that break your heart. And the reality is there's probably some in this room today that have a broken heart. Listen, Easter Sunday is more than this story, this historical story. Easter Sunday is about Jesus heals the broken hearted. You might have a broken heart today. And you know what? The real tragedy is not that we experience a broken heart. But the real tragedy is that we would live our entire lives with a broken heart. Whenever Jesus has done all, he said it is finished. He did everything he needed to do so that you and I could be healed. So listen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're dealing with today. But I want you to know, I, I remember, you know, you, some of you have heard this story, but I remember growing up, and I had a, a neighborhood, there was a neighborhood mother, we were a lot of kids in the neighborhood, and she was the, like, she was the neighborhood mom, and she would always be outside giving us popsicles and just, just encouraging us and playing games with us, and she lost a teenage son, and when she lost a teenage son, all of a sudden we didn't see her anymore, and she ended up in the house with the shades closed, and eventually she died a premature death, I believe from a broken heart. You know, whenever I think of that story, I think about, man, if she had just known the power of the resurrection, she had other children that needed her, but she died of a broken heart. And here's what I wanted to encourage you with today, that Jesus wants to heal your heart. Are y'all with me? Are you still with me out there? You know, listen, grief is part of the life process. But I'm telling you, the enemy will try to jump on the back of grief and try to take you down. You know, I remember whenever my grandmother died, standing at the foot of her bed, and whenever she breathed her last, I just felt like this cloud was coming on me, like this dark cloud. And it was so real, it's like you could almost touch it. And just at that instant, the Lord reminded me he brought back to my remembrance of him hanging on the cross and reminding me of this verse in Isaiah 53, which says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Come on. The resurrection reminds us that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Whatever failure you've had, whatever brokenness you've experienced in life, those of you that have been through failed and betrayed relationships, I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to make your heart healthy and whole this morning. Amen. The third promise that Jesus secured in the resurrection is the promise of freedom. How I many of you know Jesus brings freedom to people's lives? Y'all believe that? The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? There is what? God is a God of freedom. But the reality is there's a lot of people that are not living in freedom. They're living in bondage. They're living in prison. And Jesus talks about in Luke 4.18, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, and anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Now the captives are all those that have been in prison or held captive by strongholds and bondages. And Jesus said, listen, I came to set people free that are in prison. You know, I remember, if you remember the children of Israel in, the, in, in Egypt, and the Bible says why they were in Egypt, they were held captive by the Israelites, I mean by the Egyptians, excuse me, and Pharaoh, which is a type of the enemy, forced them to work all day. They didn't have the privilege of having any fun or, or to, they weren't even able to go in. They didn't have the freedom of even worshiping God. And they were total, they were in total in, in slavery to Pharaoh and Egypt. And then God raised up a deliverer through Moses and he parted the Red Sea and they got delivered from the bondage of Egypt. That's a picture of what God wants to do for you and me. Amen. And some of us in this room have been in prison. Some of us by mental lies. And we believe the lie that we're a failure, that we have no value, that we have no word, that we can't do anything. And we live with these lies. We live with the imprisonment of these thoughts. And we walk around defeated. And Jesus died so we could be victorious. Some people were in prison by spiritual bondages like drugs and, and alcohol and food addictions and eating disorders and gambling and pornography. And you could go on and on. And the enemy fuels those things in our life. And he just holds us captive. And then the next thing we know, our families have fallen apart and our whole life has fallen apart. And he just laughs as he, as he tricks us and he tempts us to get into all these vices. Jesus knew when he went to the cross that in 2016 in Lafayette, Louisiana, there would be people that are held captive to bondages and strongholds. And he said, I came to deliver them. Some of us are held captive by emotional strongholds like fear, the paralyzing grip of fear, or like the tormenting, the tormenting hold of worry and anxiety where you can't sleep at night worrying about the future. Some of us are tormented in the grip of loneliness or depression or discouragement. Jesus' message to us today 
It's because he came out of the grave. He's, he wants us to know that we can be free. Amen. Listen, I remember a time when I was gripped by fear. And I, I hated to be in the dark by myself. I almost had to, I, I hated, I needed light to sleep. I needed some, I was, I was paralyzed by, by the thought of death and, and darkness. And, and it was, it was like a, like a vice grip on my life. And then I, at my work, someone dies on me at work. Some of you have heard that story. But I was so gripped by this emotional bondage. But I wanted to be free. I mean, how can you be, you know, the man God wants you to be if you're gripped by fear? And I can remember the time, late at night, by myself, in my old all-company warehouse. And, and, and I can remember the Lord, just the Holy Spirit reminding me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. But here's the verse. Here's the verse that set me free. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod, and your staff, they comfort me. Come on, you know what I realize? That fear is of evil. It's the evil one that tries to grip us in fear. But Jesus said, I came to set you free. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Amen. Come on, I'm getting happy up here just preaching this word. I hope you're getting encouraged out there. Amen. So listen, the resurrection reminds us you're going to know the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. Amen. The fourth promise that Jesus secured at his resurrection is this, the promise, the promise to restore. Jesus is a, a God that restores. Now, I don't know how much you know about restoration. But you know, sometimes we like an old beat-up car. A 1950 car. We're only 25 years old, but it's like we've been on the planet for 50 years. We've been beat up through life. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus knows how to refurbish you. Come on, are you hot there? He knows how to rebuild you. He knows how to restore you. Amen? Would you know this word, restore, whenever you think about it, the Bible says that he restores what the canker worm is eating. And what the locust has devoured. He restores that. And he's a, he's a God of restoration. But whenever we're talking about restoration, what, what Jesus was really talking about was that he would, he would restore our physical health. And the Bible says in Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointing me to preach the gospel. But he's also anointing me to preach recovery of the sight to the blind. That's physical healing. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is still in the healing business. Come on, y'all agree with that? Y'all believe that? Today, you know, listen, he can still heal those that believe. And the Bible says in Mark 9, 22, anything is possible if a person believes. Amen. There's a lady in this room right now that's been healed of terminal cancer. The doctor said, your cancer is terminal. But the great shepherd, come on, the great physician said, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You know, I remember, I remember, you know, reading that story in the Bible. This lady was bleeding. And the Bible tells us she didn't just bleed a week or two. She bled for 12 long 
years. She spent all her money trying to get well. But then Jesus sent this healing hand. And the Bible says in Matthew 9 20, just as the woman who had suffered for 12 years was with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. You know what? I, as I read that story, I thought, you know, listen, we don't have the physical Jesus to come and touch the hem of his garment and receive his healing. But you know what I think our arm is, our hand is, is our faith. Jesus said, your faith, your faith is why you're healed. And I believe it. we'll just believe. If we'll just believe. If we'll just believe that God can do all things. He can do anything. We'll get a chance to see things we never thought were possible. Amen. I remember when we got that call. I just started in ministry. And a friend of the family called and said, Hey, my dad's got a brain tumor. Would you go and pray for him? And I, I tell you, I didn't have no faith for anybody to be healed of a brain tumor. And me and Elvin, the church went anointed with oil, prayed for him. I didn't feel no ghosts, no goosebumps or, you know, anything like that. But, you know, a few days later, he called and said, Man, whenever y'all anointed me with oil, I felt like my feet were coming off the ground. But he said, I looked and they were coming off the ground. And I felt this warmth over my body. And I didn't know what it was. I said, well, man, that, that might be Jesus. <laughs> Maybe Jesus touched you. So you know what? He went back to the doctor a few weeks later. They had a scan of him having the brain tumor. And they had a scan of the brain tumor gone. Amen. Jesus healed that brain tumor. I don't know if you believe this or not. Listen, sometimes there's nothing a doctor can do. But listen, the great physician, Jesus, there's always something that he can do. Amen? And Easter Sunday reminds us that our physical health can be restored. Y'all believe that this morning? Is there faith in this room this morning? Come on. Your Lord told me. said, Todd, if you never pray for nobody, you're never going to see a healing. But if you learn to put lay hands and believe for a healing, you're going to get to see a healing. Amen? And I, I haven't seen everybody get healed, but I tell you what, I've seen some miracles take place because the God that you and I serve is a God of restoration. He healed. And you need to know that this morning. Amen? I want to encourage you. Don't leave here without getting prayed for if you need healing in your body. Now, the fifth and final promise that Jesus secured it at his resurrection was this. It's the promise of favor. How many of you like the word favor? How many of you want to be in favor with God? Come on. How many of you would rather be in the, under the favor of God, under the blessing of God, than the curse of God? Come on, I want to be favored. What about you? Come on, how many of you want the favor of God? How many of you want God to favor your life, bless your life, his face shine on your life? Well, he does that. And the Bible tells us in the scripture, in Luke 4.18, see if you don't really fully realize what the Bible is saying, you won't get favor out of what he's saying. But the Bible says in 4.19 that he was anointed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? Well, the Bible teaches us that what that means, it's the year of Jubilee. 
Now the year of Jubilee was celebrated every 50 years. And when the year of Jubilee came around, some incredible things happened like this. It was a sabbatical year of rest. The people didn't have to work for a year. How many of you like the year of Jubilee already? Amen. They didn't have to labor anymore. But you know what? Not only was it a year of rest, but all financial debts were canceled. Now, come on. How many of I? How many of I got? Yeah, I got your attention with that one. Come on. How many of you like your mortgage to be canceled? Come on. Your car note to be canceled. Well, just keep paying your car note for now, okay? Pay your mortgage for now. But all debts were canceled. And not only that, but all lost property and possessions will return to their rightful owner. And so if you lost your property, if you lost your possessions because you couldn't afford to pay for them and people got your stuff, during the year of Jubilee, they had to give it back. Come on, how many of you want your stuff back? How many of you like your stuff back, Amen. And then finally, sometimes people end up in slavery. They became a servant because they became the, 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 uh, the property of somebody that was able to bail them out. Those guys got released from enslavement and they were free to go. It was called the year of Jubilee. And basically the year of Jubilee afforded people a fresh start, a new beginning. Imagine right now, if there was declared a year of jubilee and all your debt was gone. Just imagine. Just imagine that. If everything that was ever taken from you, they had to come drive it up to your house and bring it right back on your doorstep. Oh, wouldn't that be a great day? You see, that, my friends, is a picture. It's a picture the resurrection really means. That all our debt of sin has been erased. All the payment that we we should pay for every sin that we've committed. Jesus declared the year of Jubilee and saying they're not going to have to pay for that. They are favored of God. Amen. Come on, they are favored. The resurrection means that, listen, all of us that have been in bondage to the enemy and that have been enslaved to the enemy, Jesus says no longer will they be held captive. And so today all over this world, there were people that have been held in depression and discouragement, under addictions and all kinds of vices. And Jesus declared the year of favor and he set them free and they are liberated. Amen? Now listen, Jesus just didn't come out of the grave to declare a year of jubilee for us, but he came out of the grave to declare a life of jubilee for you and I. Not a year, but a life. Jesus came to set us free. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have jubilee for your lifetime. Amen. Come on, you believe that? If you do, say amen. Amen. That's the good news of the resurrection. Jesus died. He laid down his life. The empty grave reminds us of everything Jesus did for us. It's more than a historical story. Listen, Easter is more than putting on our pretty little clothes and eating some good food. Easter's got a message that if you will, if you will realize it, if you will grab a hold of it, it has the power to change your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Would you just close, stand with me this, this morning? I'm going to be glad the tomb was.
was empty. Amen. The tomb's empty. Come on. The tomb's empty. He died for us. He said, it is finished. Amen. Now listen, before we go, we need to be reminded of this. One more thing. It's the resurrection that empowers us to experience a transformed life. Just like a cross in my pocket doesn't guarantee my life is blessed. I got to know what the cross means. Amen. Come on. Just knowing that the tomb is empty doesn't change my life. I got to experience the power of the resurrection. And that's what Paul said in Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Amen. The power. Now listen. The resurrection reminds us that the same spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave is the same spirit that lives in you and lives in me. And that's what the Bible says. Romans 8 and 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Come on now. If you don't feel hopeful today, you just don't hear what we're saying. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor. Just bow your head with me for just a moment. You know, we talked about the power of the cross. One book in, Jesus said, I came to bring hope. On the other book in, he said, I came to bring favor. I came to erase debt. I came to release people from, from captivity. I don't know where you are spiritually, but Jesus died so that when you die, you can spend eternal life with Him. And while you're here on this earth, you can live an abundant life. But none of that happens until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Until by faith you ask Him to forgive you of all your sins. You invite Him to wash you and let His Spirit come in you. And then you can live an abundant life. If you hear today and you say, Todd, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that if I died, I would get to spend my eternity with Jesus. But I, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to spend my eternity. Would you pray for me? If that's you, why everybody has their heads bowed and they're praying right now, I want you to just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray that prayer for me. I want to make sure that I'm a Christian. I want to be sure. Just raise it high and wave it at me. There you go. There you go, ma'am. There you go, ma'am. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. There you go, sir. Wave. Listen, this is not a time to be timid. Come on. This is a time to be bold for the Lord. Come on. Just raise your hand and wave it at me. There you go, sir. There you go, young man. There you go, young lady. Right over here. Come on. Raise your hand. Both of your hands now. Come on. Just wave your hands in the air and say, Jesus, that's me. Now, listen, I want to ask you to do something bold right now. I want you to slip right out of the pew and come meet me right here at the altar. Jesus boldly in the front of humanity hung on the cross. I want you to take a step of faith right now and just walk down the altar with me. There you go, man. There you go. Thank God. Thank God. There you go, sir. Congratulations. Way to be courageous. Come right up here. Come on, right up here, lady. Come on, right up here. Come on, this is your day. This is your greatest Easter effort right here. This is your day. Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, their eternities are changing. Their eternities are changing. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's give Him glory. Let's give Him honor. Now listen, give me a favor. The only thing I can't do is mean it for you. But just pray these prayers. Just pray these sim this simple prayer. And just say it with as 
much sincerity as you can. Say, Lord Jesus, would, would all of you pray this prayer with me? Come on, man, we got time. Come on, come on down here. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood for me so my sins could be forgiven and I could have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for sinning against you. Would you forgive me? And would you cleanse me? I want to be a Christian. But I need your power. I need your strength. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can live a Christian life? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me and welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. to come. Amen? Now listen. Whenever you just pray that prayer, the Bible tells us something happens in heaven. When one person turns towards the Lord, the Bible stops. And they begin shouting. And they begin rejoicing about a one person. Now just imagine what's happening in heaven right now. With all of you coming up here and surrendering your life to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So now listen. If you just stay up here, we have a Bible for you today. We have some information to help you get started on this journey. God bless you, and welcome to the family of God. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise one more time. If you have some other workers to just come and help us and just bring these people. Thank you, Father God. Can I have some other workers to hurry and come? Thank you, Lord. Now listen, listen. How many of you know that the grave being empty is more than just about being saved? Let's talk about it for a moment. See, some of you in here, you've been going through a tough time. You've been in a bad place. And some of you felt a little hopeless. But listen, Jesus is saying, I came to preach good news to you. I came to bring you hope. Can you receive that this morning? Can you receive that Jesus has a, a good plan for your life and he's going to get you out of the mess that you're in? Come on, you've got to be hopeful today. Listen, some of you, some of you that are in this room have had a broken heart. Listen, can I encourage you? Don't die of a broken heart. Be healed in Jesus' name. Come on, there's healing for you. Come on, you don't have to live under the weight and the darkness of, the, of divorce or, or the loss of a loved one. Jesus died so you could be healed. Amen? Now listen. There's all kind of bondages. There's all kind of habits. There's all kind of things that you can get involved in that will wreck your life, ruin your life. There Our prisons are filled. Our jails are filled. There are broken families and lives all around because of bondages. But Jesus said, listen, I came to free you up. I came to deliver you. Some of you in here today, maybe you, you've been bombarded with sickness in your body. He's the healer. He came to restore your health. Amen. Come on, y'all receive that today. If you fit any one of these categories and say, man, I needed to hear that today. Just lift your hands. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. Just lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to just do like that little lady with the issue of blood. Like you're reaching out to Jesus with your faith right now. If you don't have your hand raised, would you do me a favor and look at somebody that's got their hand raised and put your hand on their shoulder right now. 
Just put your hand on their shoulder and let's pray with them. Let's agree with them right now. And let's ask God to come and just touch them. Father, you're a God. You're a God of healing. You're a God of freedom. You're a God of restoration. And God, we believe that in this room, there's needs that you want to meet. And God, we join our faith together. And Lord, we declare today that Lord, Lord, our faith is validated because of the resurrection, because of the empty tomb. And today we believe that you are healing, you're delivering, and you're setting free. Lord, would you just release your power, release your grace, and touch every hand and every heart that is raised right now. May the grace and power of God be released over this place today. I pray in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now listen, one last thing and we're done. One last thing and we're done. I like the word favor. And I want the, the life of jubilee. I want the life of blessing and favor. What about you? I want to pray a blessing over you. I want you to receive it. What Jesus did. Amen. I'm going to just receive it. Father, I pray the favor of God. I pray the blessing of God. I pray, Lord, I pray that you open doors that no man can shut. Lord, I pray that, God, you open and you shut doors that are hindering people. Lord, I pray that supernaturally you would begin blessing people's lives like never before. Lord, let not one in this room feel like they defeated, feel like they cursed, but let every person in here have the confident hope, expectation that their life is blessed because of Jesus Christ. I pray in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus and everybody that it